As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, Tim Wright here with Dr. Michael Gurian for our four-year anniversary, episode number 208. We have been doing this for four years, and we are so grateful to all of you for tuning in week after week, for telling your friends about the podcast, for being a part of our Facebook community, and uh, we're just really honored to be a part of your lives as you raise your kids. Michael, congratulations, Mm. four years. Wow. Well, thank you. And you too. I've said this on air. The reason we are here is because of Tim Wright. It was Tim. Uh, it was first your son, Mike, right? Yep. Who was talking to you, Mike, who has a very successful podcast, talking to you. And right. And then if I remember yep. this correctly, and you said, you know, we should do this podcast. Isn't that right? Yep. Isn't that how it happened? Yep, that's how it happened. Yep. That's right. Yep. And here we are. Yeah. So many, the biggest thanks, everybody go to yeah. Tim Wright. <laughs> so let me, let me just give you some really arcane bits of tid what four-year anniversary means that means that we have done 104 hours of podcasts Mm. 6,240 minutes 374,400 seconds (laughs) and we are approaching 1.8 million downloads Wow. That's 1.8 million downloads. That's pretty good. That's great. We are in countries all around the world. Here are just some of them that I was able to pick up quickly. Of course, the United States of America, Canada, Russia, England, Scotland, Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Brazil, Egypt, Botswana, Saudi Arabia, India, China, Japan, Sweden, and even some listeners in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Can you believe it? <laughs> wow. All over the world. And again, we're just grateful for all of you uh, for listening. And and uh, we're going to be here as long as you want us to be here. We're enjoying uh, the podcasts. And, and the good news for all of you listeners, every single podcast we've done is available to you free of charge. Uh, go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com, and you'll find all of those available for you uh, to go back and listen to. Uh, today, uh, I did a little bit of a contest on our Facebook page and said, we're coming up to our four year anniversary. Uh, if you got a question, I'll pick one of them. Uh, and we'll, we'll take your question for the, um, for the four year. And this one isn't really a question, but it's really interesting, uh, perspective. Uh, and I think there's a lot of stuff that we can deep dive on this one. Uh, not necessarily a question, but more of something I've really observed with my three boys 
that I would find interesting to expand upon and get your feedback on. How kids internalize what you say about them and make it true for themselves. If you keep telling your oldest how much he loves books, he really does turn into a little bookworm. And if you and other adults in your kid's life keep telling your middle son what a sweet and caring kid he is, he will end up being the most caring and sweet of the bunch. It is something that I have noticed through the years and am conscious of and try to remember when I label my kids as something. So this is uh, about labeling our kids. Uh, It's about uh, sort of pouring uh, a, a vision into their lives. And so before we talk about it, uh, because this is our four-year anniversary, we do want to give a really special shout-out to our sponsors who make it possible for us to come to people week after week, free of charge, because they believe in what we're talking about. Uh, and one of them, our longtime, has been with us almost since the beginning, Dr. Greg Jantz and the Center of Place of Hope up in the Seattle area. Uh, Greg has been on our show a few times. Michael and Greg co-wrote a book uh, a few years ago about boys. Uh, and Greg puts out a book a year on uh, various topics to do with emotional health. Uh, His latest is the Anxiety Reset. Uh, And their inpatient program is one of the best in the country. So if you ever need that kind of help, just go over to wonderparenting.com and connect with our good friends there. There's a link there to the Center Place of Hope. And then our newest sponsor is our good friend Marion Hill. And he does a thing called Man Cave. Go ahead, Michael. Yep. Yep. Uh, Marion is a program coordinator for Head Start, works with Miss um, in Phoenix, works with uh, Greater Phoenix Urban League, and created a program called Man Cave. And it stands for all, Men Need to Be Caring, Actively Engaged, Vested, and Encouraged. Um, and if you go to wonderofparenting.com, you see reference there to Man Cave and how to get a hold of them. It's a, it's a family-friendly program and especially focusing on men and fathers and helping them to, to nurture their kids. So they have the Nurturing Fathers program where men come together and they mentor each other. And it's really successful. I mean, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And a lot of what they do is on Zoom. Um, you know, simply for the logistics of it. And, and they sure. can therefore also reach fathers that are outside of Arizona, uh, outside of Phoenix. So very pro-father, very father helpful. Um, and they have, if you're in Arizona, they do things like with the Arizona Cardinals, they do, they have these really neat programs where fathers, you know, take their kids to see these sporting events and, and then they mm. have father readiness kits. So go to, um, go to wonderofparenting.com and check out the man cave reference, and then you can, you can text or um, email them and then um, you'll be inside their program. Yeah. And of course this early, the season hasn't started yet, but just as an aside, I think this year uh, the Arizona Cardinals will probably do better than the Seattle Seahawks. What do you think? <laughs> our, our running rivalry. I yeah. think the Seattle Seahawks are in such disarray that yes, you, you are, you are right. And it's and well deserved. The, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the only way we can beat them is if they're in disarray. So, all right. I, I know that you are excited about this topic yeah. uh, and uh, how what we speak into our children oftentimes becomes reality, positively or negatively. So yeah. let's talk. What were your first initial uh, responses, your first initial thoughts to this particular post? Yeah, this concept, it's so interesting because, it, you know, so true that that if we, if we don't, you know, speak into our child and say, 
say something like uh, the examples here were like, you love books. You're such a good reader, right? We could, we could not do that. Um, or, and, or we can do it. And, and, uh, and what's the outcome going to be? Well, we are probably saying that to the child because the child, because we're nurturing the child's nature. Okay. First of all, we're nurturing their nature. We're seeing that they love books. And so we're saying, boy, you love books. And when I was a kid, I sure love books and however that conversation goes. Okay. And then yes, but it's also true that uh, you look back two or three years later and this child loves books. And um, it is so hard to measure. Does the child love books? Because so I, I tend to think that when if we're not imposing, I'm going to talk a minute about imposing, but if we're not yeah. imposing, if we're nurturing their nature, I tend to think this is the right way to go because then you're covered both ways. You're nurturing their nature. So you're saying you're, you're observing them. You're a citizen scientist observing your child and you're saying, boy, you're, you know, or you're, you seem to be really athletic or you can sure throw the ball far or please add a thousand things to this could be anything. Um, or you have such great relational skills. Or I remember saying to my daughter, uh, Davida, especially, I, I used to say to her, your mind makes the most interesting um, inferential leaps and you're so organized in the way you do it because I was observing her and she was. And now what does she do for a living? She's a program manager, you know, yeah. in business. And um, so so if we're nurturing their nature yeah. and we're then saying you seem to me to be such and such, yeah, I, I think that's great. And it is also true, though, that they will probably be more of such and such because we did say that. But I, I don't worry about it. The times I worry about it is when we are imposing. So this okay. is the other side where, you know, the child is, um, let's use athletic. The child is not athletic, but we want the child to be athletic, yes. you know. And so we say, um, well, I think you're really great at such and such. And maybe the child isn't. And we're in a way lying to the child and the child at a certain point knows it, you know? And one of the famous ones that you and I have talked about is, is uh, you can do anything. You are great at anything, you know, you are. And we're saying that because we think they'll be great at anything if we say that to them. Uh, But in fact, they won't be great at anything. They're going to be great at certain things. Um, Yes. So I feel like it's two sides of one coin. And I feel like the middle ground is to is to nurture their nature and to feel very comfortable if what we're telling them is who they really are. Be comfortable. Don't worry about that. But worry about it if we're making stuff up. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, 
the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Yeah, that's really interesting because I, as I read that, as you started talking, I thought, is it chicken or the egg? Right. So, and, and I, I think the reality is, and, and you almost get that sense here from this great question that was sent or, or observation. She sees that her oldest son really loves books and affirms that in him. And, and so he, of course, he wants to live into that, right? And so his love for books, and then he's affirmed that he loves books. And now, you know, he's really got this passion, same with the second child. Um, and I, I, I've said many times as well, when I talk to parents, you want to find what your kids are really good at and, and just draw that out of them. Mm-hmm. And, they, and you may see things that they're really good at that they don't feel confident in. Uh, and, and to draw, you know, you're, you have, like you did with your daughter, you have such insight or you have such empathy for people. And as we draw those things out of our kids, they, they tend then to go into work that fits with their affinities. Um, and when you're talking about imposing, I, I call it the American idol syndrome and it's, uh, you know, all those parents who have their kids doing these tryouts to be the next American idol and they can't sing. Uh, and (laughs) they can't even carry a tune, but they've been told over and over again, you are amazing. You are awesome. You're the best singer in the world. And they're just horrible. And then we put our kids, they put their kids in a situation where they really become embarrassed. Right. And they find out, wow, you lied to me or I'm really not that good. And it's really crushing. And so I, I think part of what I hear you saying is we want to discover what our kids are good at, draw that out and help them navigate those areas where they're not as strong. Because we, you know, there are some things where, Hey, we're maybe not great at it. We're going to have to figure out how to be good at it. And there's some things we're not good at. We're never going to need to be good at, but man, if kids can find their strengths and hear people affirm that again and again, um, I know that's been my story in my life. I kind of knew what I was good at, but as people would say, Hey, you're really good at this. You just sort of grow into it. And you, you get a confidence uh, that says, yeah, I can do this because people are saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing that for your, you, you talked about your one daughter uh, and what you saw. What did you see in your other daughter? Yeah, I remember saying to her, so the younger daughter is the program director. Um, that's Davida. The older daughter, Gabrielle, is, a, is now an attorney. And um, but I remember when she was growing up, what I, what I, we all argued a lot. I mean, so that was just, there was a lot of arguing because there were this Jewish family. I know it sounds stereotypical, but, you know, I just raised them to argue. So uh, there's a lot of argument, which fits well with law. But uh, but I, with her, I, I, uh, I did not know that she would be a lawyer. I actually did not call that. I thought the other one would be the lawyer. So um, 
but what I, what I said to her is, you know, you are, you hang back. She would hang back. She would study everything. Yeah. And everyone, she wouldn't talk a lot initially. And then when she was sure of all her observations, you know, then she would get in there and she had a lot of good relationships. She wasn't necessarily shy or severely introspective. It wasn't that it's just that she paused, you know, and didn't leap in. And uh, my other daughter leapt in. And so that was a real difference between them. And uh, so I, I would say to Gabrielle, you, I love the way you study things. You think about them, you figure them out, and then you get in there. And um, I think what you're doing is you're, you, that's what you need to develop confidence. Um, but once you've studied and you understand it all, then you have the confidence to get in there. And, um, and so that's like a, an observation that she and I still talk about today, because that is in fact how she lives. She, and that's how she does the law and that's how she does situations. And I didn't impose that on her. I was trying to figure her out so that I could reflect back to her what I saw that I thought would be helpful to her, you know, because uh, like a lot of the messaging was you should always leap. You should always leap. And then as I, we were raising our kids, you and I are saying, I don't know if you heard this with your daughter, but a lot of the messaging I was getting through um, the public world I lived in was, you know, we should be, every daughter should be taking risks and she should take risks all yeah. the time. And she should, she should leap and, you know, kind of that she should be like a guy kind of thing, yeah. which our culture kind of had to live through. And, but I was, I was, um, I got that. I mean, I wanted, I taught her to take risks, but I was more interested in trying to help her figure out who she was so that she could be developing a self. And so that's what comes to me as I remember her. Yeah. As as you're talking, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, what you said at the beginning, that really what we want to do is help our children discover how they're wired, what they're good at Mm -hmm. and begin to draw that out. Um, I look at I look at my life, for example, and I'm good with words. I like to talk. I like to write. There are a lot of different areas of life I could have gone into. I could have been a teacher. I could have been, uh, you know, a screenwriter, uh, a book writer. I ended up being a pastor, um, but I'm in my area of gifting, mm-hmm. and that's what that's we right. want for our kids. Not yep. to say, hey, you would be a good this, but to say you're good at these things. And that opens up a world for them of possibility. You can't be good at everything, but boy, you can be good at this thing. And there are all kinds of opportunities for you. So we want to draw Mm -hmm. out, especially for some of our kids who lack confidence, to draw out of them and see in them those things that they're good at and affirm. Um, But let's talk about the other side. You talked about imposing. And I, I think about, especially in sports, right? That athletic dad or the dad who wanted to be athletic and really is disappointed if his son's not, you know, a star athlete and mm-hmm. trying to impose that. But let's talk about the real extreme. And I'll give you an example. Um, and I'm not speaking out of turn. My my brother, Jeff, will, will share this freely. When he was a kid, he wasn't great at spelling. And he had a teacher who said to him, you will never be good at spelling. Mm. And that became a curse. Mm. right? To use that language. It, it became the, the words that haunted him. And to this day, he's 64. He'll tell you, I'm not very good at spelling because a teacher told me mm-hmm. I'm not good at spelling when I was a kid. So talk about that kind of impact that we can have on our children when we say things like that, that really can uh, have a negative impact on their lives. 
Yeah, our we have a lot of power and we can imprint um, what we say can imprint on that mm-hmm. child, especially because, you know, we we are up here with a lot of power. The child is a child and um, that imprinting can be dangerous and it can last a lifetime. So that's the key to it is don't let's not imprint. Let's be seeking what we think the child is good at. If we don't think the child is good at something, mm-hmm. like Jeff maybe wasn't naturally good at spelling, let's use that right. as maybe, um, then the role of the teacher is not to label that, right? The role of the teacher would be to help him with his spelling as is necessary, but then find something else he's good at. So yeah. our role isn't, uh, when we see that child isn't very good at something, um, we don't have to make that a part of the child's self. We can just distract or redirect and go to other other things that the child is good at in terms of the imprinting that we want to uh, create for the child. Um, and we don't we don't necessarily have to imprint the label or the negative. And that that's the great thing about using sort of this technique. You only try to imprint what you're already seeing in the child. Yeah, that that's what you're imprinting. Yeah. Um, you're never trying to imprint a negative. Um, you're, you're honest with the child, but imprinting a negative is different than being honest. Like saying to the child, okay, okay, you did not spell that correctly. Let me show you how that is spelled, right? That's not going to imprint the label so that he, his self-esteem on spelling is always going to be low and he's therefore not going to be a good speller right. no matter what. Um, and it's also going to harm him in some other ways. Because, because, right, what does the self do? The self thinks, well, I'm not a good speller. I'm probably not a good writer. I'm probably not, you know, because that's how yep. our minds work, right? They ruminate. Yep. And so, yeah, the adults, we adults shouldn't be doing that stuff. We don't have to do that. The dad, you said the dad who who wants the child to be athletic. And by the time the child is like 10, realizes, okay, this is not an athletic child. Mm-hmm. Um, so the dad's job is to say, you know, is there, I want you to get exercise. Is there a sport you could like? Um, and, and especially, is there a sport you and I could do together? That would be really, really smart move if possible. And, um, or at least have two sports, one you and I can do together. Should we try to play golf or tennis? And one, maybe you do it with your peers, uh, if possible, but, uh, you know, I don't care if you're great at it. It's just, you're doing it for the exercise. And then, and then the dad's job is what are these other things you are good at? And as long as the only thing the child is good at is not video games, (laughs) You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, then right. we're okay. I mean, if yeah. sometimes every once in a while a parent will come up to me at a talk and we'll say, well, but the thing my, my son is good at is video games. Yeah, And that's when I'll say, well, we got the stream time issues there. You know, um, it's great to be good at video games, but it's not enough. And, and I think that's still, that's also an important message that we're not really looking for just one thing. Right. We're looking for things that our child is good at in all the realms, in the academic cognitive, in the physical, uh, and in the social emotional, right? That's the triad. That's the triad. As we're judging, as we're citizen scientists on how our child is doing, we're going to be looking at academic cognitive. It's going to be all top of the brain stuff, um, words, math, science, whatever it is. We're going to be looking at physical so exercise, time out in nature, sports, everything that's connected to physio- the physiology of the child, and then social emotional. And, and uh, so we ought to be looking for how the child, what the child is really good at. If we need, if we want a bottom line, it would be in these three areas. So yeah. reading, you're really good at reading and words. Okay. That's our, that's maybe the thing. Maybe there's more than one, but we'll use that as an example. And you, yeah, you know, football, that's not for you, but you're actually really good at running. 
So yep. what about track for you? Right. And then the social emotional, you know, you are, you are really empathic, especially with these, with your posse or your, your crew of guys, you know, or for girls with your best friends, you're really empathic there. You don't seem to be as empathic for these other people, but you sure are empathic there. And, um, and so those three categories are a good bottom line to work with to, so that we're not only thinking the child is good at one thing. Right. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So let's come back to that, what I call the American Idol syndrome. Okay. And you've got a child who really can't carry a tune at all, but wants to be a, a singer, wants to be the next Britney Spears or whoever's hip now. How do you help your child navigate that when they think they're really good at something and they're really not good at something? I think the maybe one of the best techniques that parents can use there. Well, first of all, they should make sure they're not imposing. Because, right. You know, right. let's let's take that off and go, OK, wait a minute. I imposed for a year, but my child is not a good singer. That's on yep. me. I got to stop imposing. But the child now, let's yep. say, believes. So then the best technique is bring in unpaid, independent assets. So. Not not a, a singing coach that I am paying, I, the adult, am paying because that singing coach still wants a job and so may keep saying to my child, you're a great singer. And yeah. I don't mean that one. Unpaid, unpaid independent assets like the choir director at school or the, um, I'll stay with singing for a minute, the choir director or grandma or grandpa who actually had a career in music or, you know, I'm searching for people around mm -hmm. who who are independent. And um, let them do some of the dirty work 
of telling our child that our child is not good at this yeah. so that so that we're being corroborated but you know the child's going to get really mad at us and say you're not supporting me but if these independent assets say it too it's easier to get in there into the child's brain and the child will probably still push it for like sure. another 6 months or a year yeah. and and you know in a way you have to say wow good for you you know you have mm-hmm. so much confidence uh but with these independent assets saying eh, this isn't for you then this this process of the child developing this gift will peter out yeah. at a certain point the child will stop doing that and we'll move to something else yeah in my we hope <laughs> yeah it, well it, it, when you said that I, i'm thinking about in my line of work uh we use musicians and there have been times when we've had people come to us adults who you know they want they want to sing with the group that we have and, and we, we have pretty high standards for for what we do because of what we're doing mm-hmm. and and these are adult people who really can't mm-hmm. sing or play an instrument and you know, I've, I've always said to staff, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, our job is to help them find what they're good at, <laughs> you know, to, to be able yep. to say, hey, you know what, it's, this isn't probably going to work for you, but let's, maybe there's another area where you can serve. But really, as parents, we don't want our kids to get to that point as adults. We, we want to help them to be, <laughs> you know, fairly confident in what they're good at. And 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 I, I do think you mentioned this earlier, we sort of still live in this world where we just tell our kids, you can be anything you want to be. And that's just not, that's not true. It's not fair to our kids. Uh, you can be a lot of things within your gifting. You'd be a lot, right. there are a lot of opportunities for you. Let's figure out what those are. And, you know, most of our kids uh, show those gifts fairly early on, not all of them. But again, how do we help our kids see who they are, what they're good at, and then provide the resources to help them really excel at those kinds of things? And, yeah, uh, resources and opportunity. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That's that's part of what we do. We give them resources and opportunity um, as as we have it available to us um, to be able to do that. You know, and some of that can be socioeconomic. You know, right? I mean, there's some mm-hmm. kids who are so gifted in an area, and in their families, they're just there are not these opportunities and resources and uh, to help them in their gift. And and that's where other nonprofits and that's where we have to be philanthropic and help to get those kids right into music programs and things like that. And um, because that's what every kid ought to get from our society is uh, the opportunity to develop their gifts. We don't owe children the opportunity to develop 20 gifts. You know, I mean, that like you're saying, that's not it's not natural. It's not real. Mm -hmm. We do owe them the opportunity to develop the gifts that they have. Um, Or I would say. I hope in our society, we owe them that opportunity and I hope we can give them that opportunity. So that's where we marshal our resources. And as we're talking to them, we say those, these are the resources we have. So we're marshalling them on these three things with you. Right. And, and, and cause that's all we got for resources and they'll be satisfied, you know, they'll, they'll they'll get that. Um, uh, And if they make the mistake of having false confidence, they'll fail and it will be, it will be painful, mm-hmm. but they're resilient. We've raised them to be resilient. Mm-hmm. They're going to be okay, you know. Yeah. And we we got to hope for that, and uh, um, and then just chalk up well, failure. You know, you'll learn yeah. from failure too. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I would hate, I, I hate the feeling of 
it happened a couple of times in my kids' childhoods where I just was kind of watching them trying to do something and really wanting to do it. And that is not what they were good at. And I also couldn't figure out, well, what would she be good at? Yeah. And like with one of my daughters, it ended up being climbing. Okay. <laughs> climbing came from totally, I didn't know anything about climbing. Right. So climbing is like rope climbing and bouldering. So this is this whole sport I knew nothing about when we were raising our kids. And I'm just so lucky that one of my daughters happened to have a friend who climbed and then that was Gabrielle. And then Gabrielle's a good climber, but then Gabrielle did other things, but that got Davida in there. And so Davida started climbing and oh my gosh, Davida and, and now her husband, Ben are totally into climbing and they yeah. co-own a climbing gym. So, so I, I feel for all those parents who are looking at their kid and going, gosh, I just know my kid is good at something physical, right? really good at something physical. I don't know what it is. And and then it hits you by surprise and yeah. hey, that's life too. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and again, there are, there are some things in our kids they're really, really good at, and that's probably where they're going to end up investing their life's work. Their in life's something purpose. In that, right. Yep. Yep. But there'll also be things on the side that they'll enjoy doing. They'll be okay at it, but it'll be hobbies. It'll be time that they do on their own just to relax. Mm-hmm. Um, again, what we want to help our kids see is, you know, you, you've got these gifts, you've got these abilities and to spot them for our, if our kids can't see them, help them. But at the same time, I think what we would both say is let our kids try anything. They can mm-hmm. try anything sure. because yeah. every, uh, even for me, as I was, when I was a young pastor, there were things that I did. I was really bad at it really bad. And what I learned was I'm not good at that. And that's okay. Someone else can do that, but I'm really good at this mm-hmm. and I can't be good at everything as a pastor. And, and so those, those failures were really stepping stones to being clear on what I'm really good at and putting my energy there and learning and really becoming a master of those particular skills. And that's what we want for our kids as mm-hmm. they grow. And of course, when they're young, they got their whole world ahead of them. So experimentation is great, mm-hmm. um, but affirming. And then you're right, just to walk alongside when they're not so good and and say, it's you know, it's okay. There's a lot of pressure in our culture right now for our kids to be famous. Oh, right? yeah. That's sort oh. of the app. That's, that's sort of the pinnacle right now to be famous and to be famous for nothing, just to be famous. And there's a lot of pressure on our kids right now to figure out what can I do to be famous rather than what can I do to be significant? And that's where we really want to help our kids. Yeah. The significant is so much more important. You know, when we were, when I was raising my kids, um, I went through about a seven, I don't know, somewhere between five and 10 year phase of, of being famous. Just, I was on the today show, good morning, America, every talk show all the, you know, all the time. And, um, and it wasn't famous like Oprah. I don't mean that, but I mean, and I experienced it, experienced the difference between fame and significance and yeah. um, just at an inchoate level experienced it and the demands and the, and the sacrifices, the self that you sacrifice, you know, you're not really yourself. Um, yeah. I was not, I was not really the self that I am now. Um now that that is over. And I, I know that I'm known in some circles and I have a niche and, and I, I totally get that, but I'm talking about then with the TV, what is it now yeah. would be excessive social media back then it was talk shows. So we're now talking about from 1997 to about 2007. Yeah. And, 
I was raising kids and I kept coming home and telling my kids, you don't want this. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm in it and I'm building a career and it's making all these other things possible and I'm able to do the work I'm doing. And so I kind of get that. And plus the publisher set up book tours. And I, I mean, it was yep. just, that's the way that system worked at that time. And I, I don't, I don't think I have regrets, but I would, my message to my kids was don't do this because you don't get to be yourself and really being yourself and having a purpose, that's that's really what you need in yeah. life. You don't actually really need fame. Um, and now the kind of fame that exists, like that fame, I still think was connected to my purpose because it allowed sure. me yes. to create Agreed. the Gurian Institute and it allowed us to do programs and it allowed, you know, all these things to happen. So I, I, I think it's even a little different than mm -hmm. the fame now where it's only fame. It's only image. There right. is no substance. It's just image. Yep. And then you sell things because of your image. And I think that means no self, you yep. know, I mean, where is a core self? Right. Uh, where is your life purpose? So I, I, every parent who's looking at that, I, I beg you to send your kids in another direction. You know, yeah. Unless they're, direction. of course, unless they're really good at something that makes them famous, right? Okay, That's a different right. deal. You're right. Right. You're right. It's a okay. different deal than being famous to be famous. Well, you're good yeah. at that thing and then you become famous. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's different right. than yep. pursuing likes. Yep. Right. Yep. That that's a different kind of fame. You're not actually good at anything and become famous for it, like write yep. a novel and win the Nobel Prize, right? That's being good at something, a vocation, yep. and then you have fame. This is nothing. You're good at nothing. You became yep. famous because you pursued an image. Yeah. And I, I mean, I should, I'm not going to tell anyone not to do that. If that's what your child is doing, then maybe that's fine. But my perspective is. I think along with yours, that life purpose mm -hmm. and significance and a core self, that those things are all really more important. Yeah. Yeah. So do you ever have people come up to you and then say, Did, didn't you used to be Michael Gurian? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's... I have every once in a while on an airplane, people or at a talk, people will come up to me and say, I saw you on the Today Show. Yeah. And, and that is what they knew of me. They yeah. saw me on the Today Show. So yeah. every once well, in a while I, it happens. <laughs> I used to be a pastor of a large church and we had a, a we were we were fairly well known for what we did and had a national, even international platform. And now I'm, mm -hmm. that church started the one I'm at. It's much smaller. I don't have that platform. So I always just joke once in a while. Yeah, I used to be Tim Wright, uh, ah, that pastor. But right. I will say this on our four-year anniversary, Michael, all of us who listen to you, we still think you're famous. No way. <laughs> And you're well, famous because you give us stuff, right? That's what makes you famous. You're, you're giving us your core self. So we appreciate you. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, and you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Really, after four years, it's it's uh, like I watched Wimbledon and, you know, the Novak Djokovic and all the, they all say to the audience, they say, it's because of you. They say, oh, yep. thank you for being, hey, they mean that. And I and you mean that about our we podcast do. audience. We would not yep. do what we do without you. That's right. So thank you for, for yep. uh, believing in us. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for four great years. We're going to turn the page and start year number five next week. We'll be back with you then. Michael, happy anniversary. Thank you very much. Hey, you too. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.